Hello and welcome to Springboard Adventure University. My name is Albert Okran, matriculating into Ghana's foremost developmental program running since 2008. This is your most inspirational show and that place where the greatest minds in the world converge. Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Ratio Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse. UMB Bank, the Enterprise Group, with media sponsorship from the Multimedia Group and the Graphic Business. So here we are once again in our top 10 series, trying to figure out 10 principles from the lives of our guests. My guest for today is very special. Every Saturday from 9 a.m. till 12 noon, the whole world stops to listen to him. <laughs> and his guests in arguably the number one syndicated talk show news analysis program in this part of the world. Legal practitioner and host of News Files, Samson Ladi, is with me. Samson, good to see you. Good to see you too. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming. Um, it's a privilege, rather. Um, I've been following Springboard and I think it's, it's a very interesting place. Let's start from your life even before the law, and I'll start from Kumasi mm. for obvious reasons. Right. So I was interviewing Seth Kwame Boateng not too long ago, and he spoke literally swearing by your name about how you had influenced his life as a media person. And I just felt proud for him to be saying what he was saying about you. Let's go back to your time in Kumasi and how your media work began and get a sense of what drives the man something like the enemy? Right. Um, I mean, to be sincere with you, Seth Kwambwating gives me too much credit, but he's a brother. And uh, we met in Kumasi. I was actually born in Kumasi, but briefly after my birth, I was brought to Nungwa, uh, where my parents were. But uh, it didn't take too long, and we had to retrace our steps back to Kumasi for a very brief period, and then... Here, I found myself in the village. And uh, then later back to Kumasi, then to Accra, and then back to Kumasi, and now to Accra. Okay. So whilst I was in Kumasi, um, during my uh, national service with um, Multimedia Group, Love FM, that's where I met Seth Kwambwating. And we did quite a bit of things together at the time when he was at the front desk, you know, and we did a bit of things together. But I, I need to stress that I think, Kwame, you give me too much credit for what God has made out of your life. So um, Kumasi is where I ended up doing my secondary education. I began from Navasco uh, just for a year. And I left Navasco. Just to say that my mom taught at Navasco. She taught okay. literature at Navasco. So right. That's a connection there. Right. So I left Navasco just after a year. My mom was in Kumasi. She was a trader. So I had to come to Kumasi. And in Kumasi, um, that's where I found myself doing a whole host of things. Particularly, um, I went to Asantaman Secondary School. And in Asantaman Secondary School, um, immense myself quite deeply in the things of uh, the scripture union and uh, you know becoming a leader in the scripture union through prayer leadership through um, presidency of the scripture union and then subsequently working with the scripture union um, at Kumasi office and later having to work with the Bible Society uh, also in the Kumasi office then that saw me right after SS um, going to most of the secondary schools in Kumasi. So literally at my time, I could say that the, there's practically no secondary school in Kumasi that I had not been to, um, as it were, carrying the gospel and assisting the younger ones to, to, to find their feet in, wow. in the Lord. So as an itinerant I, preacher. I spent quite a... Yes, yes. Did you, yes. did you consider becoming a pastor? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I actually did. <clears throat> um, because of what we're doing, um, 
actually had my own thing that I was doing on the side. Um, I would mobilize, you know, a group of students and we will go for what we called Acts Fire. You know, a sort of a retreat. We will spend about a week on vacations. And, you know, there were occasions we would do that on the Atria Mountains, you know, through a time of fasting and, you know, study of the word and all of that. So I actually did consider getting into full-time ministry as a preacher. Uh, I was with House of Faith Ministries and in House of Faith Ministries, I became very attached to the crusade department. So once again, through that, I had the opportunity to travel the country. We, we, went, we went almost everywhere in this country, you know, um, evangelizing and planting churches. And through all of that, I think I just came to a point where I had convinced myself. And also based on the people I was reading at the time, reading your four dimensions with the young chose, reading Bishop Oyedepodem's, um, reading the Kenneth Higgins. I, I got to a point, literally, I knew that that is where I belonged. And in the church too, there was opportunity to be trained as lay preachers. And I got that teaching through, particularly through uh, the founder, um, Reverend Alfred Nyamiche. When I finished SS, I, I walked up to him and I said, Papi, I, we call him Papi. I said, Papi, I want to go to Bible school because the church had a Bible school. And he said, uh, something I think you should hold on. Go to university and come. When you come, we can talk about this. I was so disappointed. I, I felt somebody was standing in my way, you know. Um, but I couldn't get to go to Bible school. Then I went to university, came to University of Ghana. And somehow, when I finished, got back. What course did you do? Um, I, did, I did English. I did uh, religious uh, uh, studies. That was a small I, Bible school you I did. did. <laughs> I did theater arts. Oh, right. And then I did um, classics. Great. But I dropped classics very early. You know, all the things that the, you heard about the shadow and how you could not, you would have to struggle to get even a D yeah. <laughs> for classics. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I dropped classics very quick. Then I dropped uh, religious uh, studies. Then I combined and majored, did a combined major, English and theater arts. Before yeah. university, you wanted to go to Bible school. That's you know, right. After university, when they asked you, do you yeah. want to go to Bible school? You said, hold on. It's, it's surprising, even though in university, I was still in, you know, spiritual leadership. Um, I was with the University Christian Fellowship. Um, you know, I, at the Kwafu Hall, um, I, I, was, I became the president for the Kwafu Hall, you know, chapter of uh, UCF. Right. Um, then, actually, by the time I got to my final year, when Reverend ABC was the president of the University Christian Fellowship, I think the lot had fallen on me that I would take over from him. So they came to me with a discussion that this was what was going to happen. And I had planned something else, so I asked them if they could hold on with that. You know, um, and that was secular leadership, the presidency of the JCR. I contested and won. I won with over 75% of the vote from someone who was not known within the circles and someone who was known to be just relegated, always going to uh, UCF and doing things. And um, I was also in the CVC, Chosen Vessels mm. Choir, you know. So by the time I left, yes, I was still within ministry work, but taking that decision was influenced by something else. Whilst I was president of, of a Kwafu Hall, we decided to dedicate one um, day, a holiday, to a, a blood donation drive. And I was using the megaphone, which I'm used to using anyway for evangelism work and the rest, going around the various halls and appealing to people to come out and donate blood. Then Charles Van Dyke, 
at uh, Multimedia was around. So he listened to me. Somehow he showed up. We were collaborating with Joy for the blood donation. Then he comes up to me and he says, he thinks, he thinks I, I can, can do, do radio. I can do radio. And that's where I began to develop the interest. You know, I'm smiling. <laughs> I, mean, I, I just can imagine CBD saying, yeah. you know yeah. what? I, with that, is, that look on his face, yeah. I, I can literally just imagine it. <laughs> Good friend yeah. of mine. So he worked it out for me to be able to do my national service at, in multimedia. So Great. once I had that already planned, before I left university, it was easy for me to say, hold, hold on, on, I want to do this and finish the service and then decide what I wow. really wanted to do. Right. Yeah. So, so you ended up in multimedia. Right. Now, let's explore a bit of the media journey mm. and then how the law came in. Right. So um, at Love FM, I was doing the ordinary reporting, normal reporting that any journalist would be doing. And then I was introduced to knowing how to use the console. And there, there was Christopher Opoku, who yeah. used to do a number of things, sports, including um, the presentation of the gospel time on Sundays. And he had to leave somewhere. So I told uh, Jimagla, who is still there, that I could host the gospel program. Because when I came there, they put me in the newsroom. I wasn't happy. I told them that I really wanted to do something gospel, you know, presentation. So he said, are you sure? I said, yes, I am. Then I gave him a testimony of how I had amassed, you know, hundreds of, you know, foreign gospel cassettes. Because every, when I was in university, for example, every time that our loan, you know, was paid, I would buy about two cassettes. Then I would buy, you know, um, some, you know, some book. Normally it would be, it's a commitment to buy a book that is, you know, some scriptural text. Then I would also buy those two heel songs or those times, all those other guys. So I had piled quite a bit. And I had a friend on campus, Salian. She was Salian Bennett now. She's in the UK. Um, she's Sally Osei. She was doing some presentation of gospel music on Radio Universe. So eventually, I had to be assisting her with some of my tapes to do the presentation. So I said, this is what I was doing. I, I was helping, actually, literally a producer or somebody who was doing that, and I can do it. In any case, I was in the choir. I sang. I lead praise and worship. I can do your gospel program. Then Jim gave me the opportunity. He said, try it. I started, and it caught fire. It was really good. So I loved it, and I wanted to stay there. But they didn't allow me to just do just that. So I was doing the newsroom as well. And I was somehow fortunate. And that is one of the things that also influenced my decision later not to reconsider the preaching business. Six months into my national service, the BBC needs to do some work in Ashanti region. And they contact Kweku Sechiado. Kweku Sechiado says he's unable to go there and do that work for them. But he knows this guy who should be able to do it. So Kweku calls me and says, the BBC wants to do something. I want you to do it. Oh, Lord. I said, me, do reporting for the BBC said yes relax you can do it I've listened to the reports you file on joy and I think you can do the work so he just gave me the coaching I went to do the work I filed my report to the BBC the next day they called me they said they want me to do some extra work so I did one two three and that's the thing here you are You've been preaching for a while. Right. You take a megaphone, yeah. blood donation. Right. Charles Van Dyke here says he says, that's a radio voice there. That's right. Then preparation moves to the next step. Then you are doing news news uh, reporting. Yeah. And then Jim Aglas says, ah, 
you, you tell Jemagla, I can yeah. do gospel. Yes. And he says, are you sure? <laughs> then you, you begin to track back and investments you've made with student uh, loan and, yeah. uh, and so on for years in <laughs> yeah. music right. comes to bear, mm. the show catches fire. That's right. Then the next time, Sechiado says, ah, what you are doing, what's the common thread through all this for the benefit of anyone listening? Um, I, I, would, I would now, looking back, I would think that it's, it must have been the commitment to which you know, I did what I did. Oh, because there were, there were many reporters in Kumasi at the time. I was just doing my national service. And there were some people too around that Kweku could have relied on that he knew. But when he said, I should do it. Now, there, there was something that was happening at the time. If you were following Joy News at the time, there was no single day that you didn't get news report from Kumasi, Correct. particularly from me. So there would be days that I could file as many as three reports. And my excitement at a certain point was to feel that I was hijacking the joy news presentation, that they have done three of my stories, four of my stories. They are calling me to explain further what I was doing. And so when I got up every morning, the motivation was, you must go to joy. Don't just do the report for Love FM. So I was always trying to get to joy. And I was getting joy every day. So it actually didn't take a long time. And Katie and others, you know, came to Kumasi and asked that I be asked, I be moved to come to uh, Accra. But at that time, something came up that didn't make me interested in coming to Accra. And it was the BBC job. Because the BBC job, I had gotten a, a job with the BBC and what that job, the jurisdiction I was to cover was Ashanti and the North. So if I came to Accra, I was going to lose that. And the BBC job was paying me pounds. Yes, I was right there. Never thought about it. Never dreamt of it. That I'll be doing my national service and earn pounds. So here I was. So why, why do you want me to go to Accra? <laughs> this is it. I'll do it. You know, and it didn't take long. Then I had to um, sign up for the law school, law faculty at KNUSD. So at another time when KT returned, and th that was the same discussion with Komla Dumo, that they actually, there was a deba and it was announced that I was leaving for Accra. Without your consent? Yes, and I said, no, 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 I had not consented to this. And at that time I had signed up to do the LLB program at KNUSD. So that became an additional reason I was not coming to Accra. And if you ask, now I look back and I can tell that it was not because of any special and extra skill, but it was a commitment with which I wanted to do what I was doing and the motivation for it. In fact, of course, there was the money aspect that came in that made me feel, you know, you're coming from a family where it, things are hard and suddenly you can afford to do things, you know, without depending on anybody and you can even afford to now also reach out to family and, and say you. can you you know uh, get something to help and and that's that's that was the thing that defined and eventually over influenced my <laughs> not reconsidering <laughs> getting into the profit so I, I, I will not say that <laughs> that's unfortunate i, I would not uh, say that the, the, the money in there <laughs> yeah but, I, I will say that mm, I, I will say that something yeah. Yeah. Even more importantly, yeah. let's say that you found yourself. Let's say that you eventually moved to Accra right. and began to practice and also began to host news files. But before right. that, let me just let me ask you about the law, the big influence in your becoming. I'm trying to I'm trying to find out the key determinants of right. who you are today. So right. in terms of the practice of the law, what, what was the defining moment in your journey or the defining pathway? To right. So <clears throat> I, you know, normal, you know, uh, students in SS, sometimes you have students who are not really clear what they want to go and do in the university if they made the mark. Um, I was one of those. Uh, but I had an encounter with um, Yoni Kolendi. Mm. And 
he, from a distance, I would watch him, listen to him speak. And there was just something that kept, you know, driving me that way that, you know, I could think about this as a profession as well. Then one of my teachers, uh, Seidu, also said, well, if you want to do that, you could try. So when my thing about going to Bible school didn't work and I, they said, go to, go to university and come back, I said, okay, I will, I will go and do the law. Unfortunately, the year we came to Legon, that was the year they stopped the undergraduate law program. So somehow I felt somebody was speaking to me. You know, that's not what you are meant to do. You know, so you hurry up and go back and go and do this, your business that you have with the Lord. Then in the process, once I'm done, I get the opportunity of a meeting with Yoni Kulendi and he speaks something into me that he, he has no idea that, that that's what he, he had done. So I, I just commit myself from that point and said, look, I will, I will still do the law. And at the time of national service and beginning to earn to be able to pay my fees because it was a bit expensive. It's still very expensive these days. So I signed up. I finished uh, KNUST law, came to Accra to continue with Makola, the professional course. Then at one church service, at a charismatic evangelistic ministry. When I was at Legon, most of the times we were in a group, myself, Victor, Achiriga, and Louis Safo, both of them pastors now. As I speak to you then, certain things are coming to mind. If I trace back, Scripture Union. Um, those of us who started the Scripture Union Youth Evangelistic Fellowship, um, who is it that is not in ministry now? Um, Billy Bonsu, Christian Ayensu, they are all in there, you know. Whilst in Legon, we would often run to charismatic evangelistic ministries. Uh, most of the times when um, Reverend Isudanaba was doing his Holy Ghost action campaigns, we, we literally were following him everywhere he went, <laughs> you know. When we're reading uh, End Time Militia, those books that he did very early on, so I went to a charismatic evangelistic ministry and Kulendi was there. We finished service, I met him. Then he asked, where are you? <laughs> I said, okay, I'm in the law school. Great, he got very excited, called me aside, then encouraged me and showed me what he thought I should read and how I should commit to them. Um, after that encounter, he began to mentor me. So I would go to his law firm, you know, and then I'll go to law school. And the privilege of knowing that I could get out of school and catch a taxi or something and get to Colendi at law to meet with him. You know, that was Big. such an inspiration. And you will sit before him within a very short time, what he will say, the impact he will have on you, it was huge. Um, so he... You, you, you talk like him. Aha. <laughs> Look like him. And I'm uh, sure you've heard that before. <laughs> well, somebody once uh, mistook him for me. And there are people who have often said, I look like him. Uh, but talking like him, I'm not too sure I have gotten well, there. Well, I'm telling you. There's, uh, a, there's a way he talks that I admire. And I really wish that I could be there. I could be there. How he chooses his words. You should see him on his feet in a courtroom. It's described several times <laughs> by people as an art and a craft. Right. Let's 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 right. The, yeah. His, his lordship so, aside, is still on your story. Right. So um, that's 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 it. So that's how I got, you know, the more encouragement. So mentoring has been and a, I stayed. A big, that's right. right. And, and, that's right. And in that regard, you only, um, that's right. Has been a that's big, that's a big correct. Like, that's correct. How big is mentoring as a, as a key to career development? It's, it's extremely important, extremely important. And it doesn't have to be with people that you have direct access to who can mentor you directly. There are people, for example, in, this, uh, in, the, in my practice in the law that 
have such an impact on me that today um, I can call them like they are sort of your fathers. It doesn't matter that they are young. Mm -hmm. That I can go to when I'm in some trouble, sort of, and I need to find my way around the law and I'm like clueless, I don't know. There are people I can just pick the phone and call today. They just mentored me from a distance, from a distance. They had no idea that they were doing so, um, including especially also uh, Ace Ankuma, who was my teacher at a point in time in the law school, taught me civil procedure. And so mentoring is important. There are things that some of those people will do in this practice. I watch them. If I see something that, a, a case that they are the ones who did it, I take my time to read the brief, you know, as it were. Try to find out how did they do it. If I, if I have to do it, what can I take from what they did to also proceed? People like Tadiosori, Kizito Beyo, you know. So it's not the direct mentoring, even the indirect ones too are very, very important. Just for the record, yeah. these are very, very, very good friends of mine <laughs> that you mentioned. Oh, okay. it's, very, it's very wonderful okay. to hear you celebrate right. them so openly. Right. So, so, so if I could give you one very practical example. Even though I did my pupillage in Gezi Zwenis Use, an Osu-based law firm, where CBK Zwenis, I was privileged to have him, you know, help hold my hand a few times, but I, I, I studied in the firm directly under Charles Zwenis. Um, CBK Zwenis once took a process, a defamation process, and literally held my hand to go around it and do it in a way that I felt proud of myself about. But later, I was doing a matter and I sought help from Ace. And he led me to a setting, you know, decision, an English decision. After that, my practice in that area has improved like, I don't know, so big. So that I feel so humbled that people I know in the practice who are really good, like say Kimati Kwenyanya, will get a case about defamation and say, Samson, do this and lead the person to me, you know? And people begin to feel that it's a specialization that I have. I was going to come to that. Yeah. Would you recommend, would you recommend as a key to career progress that people specialize in something that they are known for? It certainly is very, very good. Help me to understand. It's, it's very good. Um, because these days, for example, in the law practice, there are too many branches of the law that you can't you know, keep a good focus on all the areas. So I know areas that I'm not good at, even though I've uh, subsequently done my LLM in alternative dispute resolution with some specialization in one other area. Um, you can see there are people who, for example, may focus a lot more on defense attorney work as in criminal defense they would be very good at what they do because they keep a focus there. And the law is so wide. So they are concentrated there. The things they will see in defending someone, you know, will not be the same that you'll be able to, you know, uh, carry the craft in that area. So it's definitely a good thing. Today, if I did a process and without intending to indicate a setting boost. If I did a process in defamation and I, I, I see someone else do it somehow, often I'll pick their stuff and I can punch too many, you know, uh, holes in them because I have tried to specialize in the area. So there are things I see that a general practitioner may not see. Yeah, I have, I've gone to court ask for people who have filed defamation processes against, say, multimedia and other clients, and got their processes thrown out. Thrown out. They were stopped in their tracks. They couldn't move the next step. Just because they couldn't do certain things 
So specialization is good. Specialization. specialization is good. I can't sign up this segment, which is literally gone way beyond our time, but I, there's one other <laughs> thing I want to pick before I, mm. I take a break. Mm. In a couple of minutes, you've hosted News File that is really up there. I mean, that's literally like, for many people, their Saturday fetish. That's right. Congregate and give you their undivided attention for three hours as mm. you navigate this very, very intense discussion about big issues concerning our country. What, in your opinion, has been the single, single largest critical success factor for your successful navigation of news file and keeping it at the very top? So, I'll, I'll, I'll be frank with you. There are times when setting corporate leaders, politicians sometimes you may want to be careful to take what they say. That is, if it has to be praise for what you do. But I have met corporate leaders, and sometimes it is what they tell me that wakes me up to a certain realization that that platform is very huge. And there's something that is being done on that platform that I need to think carefully about so that's what has resulted in me saying publicly that I do that now as a ministry. But for that kind of orientation, I will not be sitting on that show. Mm. Because to be very frank with you, if it has to be the question of the financial motivation for it, I don't need it. I'll be very frank with you. Um, even though... I, in my scripture union work, I was going up and down. I still believe I was such a private person and I, I want my private life. Um, doing radio, you were hiding. Getting onto TV, I wasn't too comfortable with that. I didn't want to be out there for people to see me all over. And you do work that millions of people are grading you, are mocking you. What works for me? over the period is having to come to the realization that this is a very significant, important platform for shaping the national discourse, contributing to the development of our country through the discussions that we do, seeking to influence policy and, and in a way that is progressive. So I don't get up and walk onto news file and begin to host. Sometimes the whole of my Friday is stolen away from me by the preparation for news file. There are times when my wife says, and even the night, I will read over and again, and it's about 2 p.m., 3 p.m., and I'm not coming to bed. And she's like, it's, yes, yes, yes. It's like you have to stop and get to bed. And even when I do, sometimes by four, five, I'm up again, trying to be sure that I am so conversant with the issue in such a way that somebody does not come on that platform to mislead. So often that is what I'm, I'm preparing for. And typically on a Friday, because the characters that some of the issues affect, you know, would like to reach out to you. I've come to a point where Fridays, for example, in the evening, I put my phone off. Because this one is calling you. They're trying to influence your thoughts. Sometimes it's good. I, I have to do some, I have to seek out some of it myself. Because if people are involved, you need to hear their side. If it's government, it's good to hear and ask questions even before you go on the show. So I think the thing that has worked over the period for me on that platform has been preparation. Mm. Preparation, 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 preparation. And because when I was stepping onto that platform, I didn't believe that I could be there. I didn't believe that I could be hosting that show. And that's, that gave you a sense of responsibility that you that's have to right. 
this is springboard your virtual university if you just joined us the keyword preparation 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 he couldn't say you want to say three times <laughs> whatever you do if you don't prepare please forget mm. it no mm. matter what it is you cannot be excellent without preparation my guest for today legal practitioner and the host of news files samson ladi ayenimi when i come back from this break let's find out his ideal Ghana. It should be easy on one hand and difficult on one hand. Easy because every Saturday he starts the show by giving us one tick <laughs> on how Ghana should be. So you should just recall five of them and then just tell us. <laughs> but difficult because when you have so many of them, right. which ones will be the big five? Right. Let's find out when we come back. Ah, Joe, won't it? Enterprise Insurance would dear Womu Promonana. Hey, what it? <laughs> Four coupons. Vom. Washing machine. Vom. Car washer. Vom. BBAV. Vom. Obiadia. Vom. Buy or renew your existing motor insurance policy and win instant rewards such as fuel coupons and branded gift items in this year's Udia Women Moto Insurance promo. You could also win an iPhone 14, front load washing machine, high pressure car washer, vacuum cleaner, and an auto tie inflator during the monthly raffles and a slick crutch rocket motorbike at the end of the six month promotion. Make you no slacku. <laughs> Call your insurance broker, agent, or visit any enterprise insurance branch and get your reward now. You can also call us on 0302-634-777. This promo is in partnership with NLE on the Characters platform. Terms and conditions apply. Enterprise, your advantage. <laughs> When you can be anything, who will you become? When you can go anywhere and never feel alone, how far will you go? When you have the means to make your dreams real, when will you start? When your voice can reach every ear, who will you inspire? When your money can travel faster and further than you ever could, where will you send it? When you can tell a story in every language, which ones will you tell? When nothing can stop you, and everyone's behind you, and, and the, the whole, whole world, world awaits, awaits you, you. Don't go alone. Go with us. Everywhere, Everywhere you, you go. go. Aquaba, UMB is proud to offer you the best business solutions possible. We have been excelling in serving Ghana since 1972, and our sole interest is to make your business succeed. We are committed to making you to become number one in any sphere of business or enterprise you are pursuing. With our experience in growing some of the biggest SMEs in Ghana, we can support you become the business leader in Okaishi, Suami, Abusokai, or any of the SME enclaves in Ghana with our SME solutions. Our latest SME loans allows you to take a loan backed by the value of your cash flow and inventory so you can increase your trade efficiently. Speak to our business bankers or visit any of our branches now. UMB Bank, you first. Welcome back to Springboard Virtual University, brought to you by the Springboard Foundation and proudly sponsored by MTN Pulse, the enterprise group UMB Bank, with media support from the multimedia group and the graphic business. My guest for today, legal practitioner and host of News Files, Samson Ladi Ayemi, who is also, by the way, a fellow of the Africa Leadership Initiative West Africa, where he and I get to share some some commonalities we talk about that one on getting a, to become a fellow oh but you, once you, you sign up you're a fellow it's it's work in progress but it's that's, that, that's it's a beautiful it's beautiful reading to journey. Do. Yeah, yeah it's a beautiful one mm -hmm. let's move on to your ideal ghana mm. somebody says this ghana we are in it I, I, to use the person's words this ghana that we are in it right we all have a stick the right. person may be in power or not be in power but we all have a stick in this ghana do, right. do, do you love this country I love this country to bits, but I get disappointed just almost every day. Wow. Yeah. I get disappointed at the leadership and sometimes to at the people. Of course, the leaders come from the people. Um, so I wrote this thing, my very latest, and I had to look at, you know, the question of the curse of leadership in Africa where in the whole world, 
Africa is commanding 40% of the world's gold. We're not talking about in comparison to one or two other continents, but the whole world, 40% of the world's gold is here in Africa. We're told that 90%, and this is scientific, 90% of precious metals and minerals like uh, platinum and chromium are here in Africa. And 65% of the world's arable land is here in Africa. So I ask myself, why are we this poor? Why do we have a population that is in so much poverty? And I just can't wrap my mind around it. I do a travel just not, you don't have to go far away. And you discover how people have, you know, managed their countries, how systems are working. Let me pause you right there. Because that provides the perfect platform to ask you, what do you want to see differently, number one? I'm looking to a Ghana where there will be an agricultural revolution that makes sure well, that... That's the we, point number one? Yes. That we have an agricultural revolution that ensures that we are not only feeding ourselves, but we are making good currency out of agriculture. And we have everything to do that. Our history shows that we have done that before. So that would be your point number one. You want leadership that can lead an agricultural revolution. That's we right. feed ourselves. That's number, right. Hold me number two. Values. And I have been privileged to speak to so many of a, of a generation that we all hear about and envy. Values. Now, you see young people, no respect for the elderly. People are insulting, you know, in the name of even politics. People are just insulting in the name of politics instead of looking at issues. Um, you see very young people, again, in the name of politics, they run down the best that this country, you know, has in terms of corporate leadership even in the forefront of religion, you know, we denigrate. And they cannot be bothered. Nobody appears to be telling them this is wrong. You can't do that. And we can't do, we can't seem to do that because they are watching the elderly who are leading in the political front, insulting each other, engage in insult fest all the time. And that for me actually breaks my heart that you can have these young, you know, girls from this uh, school just show up and insult the president. The president is the fountain of, he, he's the, the, what we say, the primus inter pares. If we are talking about the country and the country's image, the president is the first of the country's image. Now, you may have your political disagreements, but once we elect a president as a president, we must give them the respect. We can criticize what they do wrong, but we don't have to be insulting them. And you're saying that that is a, you are saying that these outcomes values. are a result of the breakdown of our Of the values. lack of values. And, and elderly people doing it in a way that makes the young think it is fine. That is right. So number one, you're yeah. saying is leadership that mm -hmm. can at least feed us and lead an agricultural evolution. That's right. Number two is values. And we watching this practice of insults that right. can make the young also imitate. Right. Oh, number three. I, I've been to court, I have been to certain court. I move, drive from Accra to Cape Coast, drive from Accra to Takaradi, drive from Accra to Koforidia, only to be told that my case or your case cannot go on. So there's an adjournment. And I ask myself, what is all this about? And I'd been to this, you know, court, and the date was determined over a month ago. We go back to the court and the prosecutor is giving an excuse that was given at the time the date was taking, the adjournment was taking. Same excuse over bringing a witness to testify in the courtroom. 
the whole day virtually ends up being wasted. So you have a situation where people don't even get surprised that there was one small family case, family dispute over a small family land that somebody died and left for the family. There was a litigation for 40 years. When the case was concluded, Chief Justice Georgina Wood said, this is a parody of justice. How can it be? But within the same system, I have conducted a property case within six months from beginning to end, and it's over because it can work. I've done things. You, you are going for, say, a certain record within the court, and you have made the application for it. Sometimes it can take days, weeks, it can take months before you get that piece of decision that a judge has given. Meanwhile, within the same court system, particular judges, you can do your case today, you are asking for the record today, close of day, you'll get it. Except there are very few. So what is it? Yeah. What will be your fourth I, point? I, <laughs> I look at us and how corruption is pervasive. It's, it's a question of integrity, isn't it? That those who give us money so that we can, be, we can keep our economy at float, give a verdict and say $3 billion is unaccounted for in this country every year. I'm like, Jesus Christ, how does that happen? You know, how does that happen? And, for example, we passed what we call the Whistleblowers Act in 2006. We're using it to encourage people to blow the whistle on corruption. Now, the encouragement is this. The law provides that if you blew the whistle and it is successful in recovery or prosecution, you could get as much as 10% of what the country recovers. There's supposed to be a fund set up for that purpose so you can get that benefit. We passed the law 2006. That fund is not in existence. That law provides for state protection for you, including that you will not be victimized at your work workplace. But someone will look, you know, over their shoulders. The person is stealing. If I went and blew the whistle, will I be safe? So, you know... I, sometimes I think about it and, I, and, and that's what is bleeding this country, you know, and sinking it to the poverty that we have. The, the constitution, for example, is very clear that if you're a public officer and you have a property and that property, you cannot explain that the source of getting that property is either a gift it's either your income, it's uh, an inheritance, or it's a loan that you got. Then that property will be deemed as having been gotten wrongly and will take it back. It's there in the constitution. We don't use it. So you think our laws are enough? It's we that you're not implementing. That's the problem. That's the problem. And that really worries me a lot all the time because from where I sit and the privilege I have because of what I do on Newsfile, and some of the cases I get to do in the courts, I can see, I can see how, you know, corruption is just tearing us. And, and you see, sometimes we look at the people in public office at the top, but when we go down there, it's, it's equally rotten. Let me take your fifth point and come back and ask you right. a very important question related to this mm. fourth point. What would be your fifth? Oh, this ideal country. I, I will not kid myself that, you know, you can really have what you call ideal, ideal. There will be issues. But I've come to a point where I have I've stopped to say that, you know, the the partisanship of this country is dividing us 
to a point it is destroying us. The partisanship, you know. So, someone, there are many people who believe and you may not believe it, but sometimes it is true that, I, let me even render this this way. There was a year when a political regime took over and they suspected more than half of the employees of an institution as having been put in there by the regime that had been voted out. So they, they set out to remove all those people. And the truth is that the people who were there, for a fact, had been brought in there because of their political advantage. This is the youth employment program. So they set out to remove them. I had to be their lawyer. We fought it and they lost it. Now, some of the people who were in there helping to remove those people because they belong to a party, the tables turned and then the other party came back into office and they also suspected a huge number of the people there as political party people who had been brought there, your constituency secretaries, your uh, organizer, regional organizers, they normally push them a lot into that place. And guess what? They issued letters to them, transferring them, but it was a punitive transfer. If you were in Accra, you could be sent to Hamile. And you were giving like a day or two to move. You were giving no stipend, nothing. Just go. How much are they earning in the first place? Is that worth? So they will give up. I had to go and defend that group. And I got an injunction to stay the hand of the government from mistreating them. And I kept asking the people, the first uh, group of politicians, I asked them, they belong to this party, but they are Ghanaians first. More importantly, they are human beings. I turned and asked this next group the same question. Yes, they belong to that party, but they are human beings to start with, and they are Ghanaians. So what's wrong? Then that brings me to the question I'll be waiting to ask you since you started your first point under your ideal Ghana. So let me summarize your ideal Ghana for you. First is about leadership that can feed us and create an industrial right. agricultural revolution. Second one is the upholding of our values. No more insults, but respect. And you're saying if, when the elders do it, the young ones will follow. But right. growing up, it was not a practice for putting right. insult their, their elders and religious leaders and corporate leaders for yeah. that matter. Number three is systems that work and work consistently. You That's talk correct. about in some instances it works, in some instances it just doesn't work at all. Mm. The fourth is about corruption. And you're saying that it just is unacceptable that those who support us to make a living are saying three billion yeah. of money, dollars of money is not accounted for every year. Yeah. We are all seen mm. as normal. Yeah. And you're seeing that even the whistleblower act designed to forestall it is not working and the yeah. fund has not been created. Mm. The fifth one that many people will say that is the one is that you're seeing that our partisanship has divided us to the point where it's destroying us. And right. you give a classic case of one half being for hearts, yeah. one half being for Kotoko. Yeah. So when hearts comes to power, all Kotoko people must yeah. leave. And when Kotoko comes to power, all hearts right. people must leave. Right. My, my closing question, do we learn? It's, it's a difficult thing, you know, to, to question to answer. But I believe somehow, you know, deep within me, I believe somehow that, you know, things will work. It doesn't matter how small they are working. Because you see, in all of this quote-unquote chaos, you find the very best. Mm. You know, while, where we find, you know, the charlatans, I have written about that before, who are waiting, God doesn't speak to them until 31st night. You know, you ask yourself, I was brought up in Scripture Union. People like Judahama, uh, Brakwami Edu, Anochi Dems, um, Professor Kwesi Andam, uh, Andam Dems. They, the way they taught us the Scripture, sometimes you look at these things and say, what is this? What is this? And these charlatans are becoming politicians, rather. They are predicting who must win election, who should not win. But within that same system, 
you have the very best whose teachings even Muslims who confess to you, they listen and he sinks in. So I believe within the same judicial system that Anas went with his camera and found rot that people would take goat and money and turn justice, you know, do injust in, injustice to other people. Within that same place, there were judges who were chasing Anas away, you know. And I, I keep saying, somehow in the Anas situation, three women were the ones Anas named as those who were chasing him away and who almost got him arrested. Justice Efia, sorry, uh, Boche. Um, uh, Justice Dodu, and then the Justice um, Georgina. Uh, she's forgotten her other name. And I, they are there. Whilst others are doing wrong, others are doing right. Where I said, for example, you want to get your processes and it will take forever, there are judges you can name in their court, they'll get it for you that minute. Where you go and there are adjournments upon adjournments. There are judges who insist this adjournment upon adjournment will not happen. Quickly, Samson, you've been telling us your, your life principles. One about ministry, two about a commitment to work, three about mentoring, four about specialization, yeah. and the fifth one about a sense of responsibility that makes you prepare, prepare, and prepare. And on your ideal Ghana, it's very simple. Please, let's feed ourselves. Leadership that can feed us. And that can lead an agricultural revolution. You cite the Nigeria case that is absolutely, I don't know what it's called, inexplicable. But That's right. The second is about values. You say, listen, we can't tolerate a, a life of insults. That's right. Three is that the systems must work consistently everywhere. Mm. Four is that we can't accept corruption. And the fifth one is that our partisanship in the way it is being run is unacceptable. Something yeah. a big thank you to you for thank you. time to Thank you very much. The summary you just did, I'll tell you that any time I listen to Springboard is the thing that amazes me. How we are speaking about everything else and you are able to summarize them in such a perfect way. I believe very strongly that, um, for example, if, if you are somewhere and you feel that all hope is lost and that you cannot amount to anything, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Um, if I told you the story of where I come from, and if I told you how I was following, you know, cattle and sheep in the village, if I told you how I pulled uh, that truck in the middle of, you know, uh, some busy market, uh, if I told you how I sold ice water at the Ashaman lorry station, um, you wouldn't believe. But I believe that, you know, as it is, um, that's the thing I should have been talking about. It was in the church that I found and realized my worth that I could be somebody. So I want to believe that you, wherever, whatever you find yourself in, don't give up. Um, have a focus. But of course, you must know that if Christ is not the one who is the focus, is not in the center, it will not hold. I believe very much that um, this country will work. Um, things will change, but it is us who must do what is right. Once again, this has been Springboard at Virtual University, getting behind the scenes with Samson Ladi Ayenini, trying to explore his life lessons and his prescriptions for, the, for an ideal gun. At a point, I was asking myself, should we give up? But Samson says, absolutely not. Anywhere you see the rot, there are also lights that are shining so bright that you That's tell right. yourself it is possible. On that very inspiring note, I want to thank you on behalf of the Springboard Roche Foundation and our sponsors, MTN Pulse, UMB Bank, the Enterprise Group, and our media partners, the Multimedia Group, and the Graphic Business. And thank my guest, Samson Ladi Ayenini. Let's do this again next week. Until then, God bless you. God bless you. And... God bless you.
Turn it. 